So uh, let's get into the word here. John chapter 12. We spent a couple weeks in John chapter 11 where we saw the Lord uh, being called to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus because Lazarus was extremely sick. And then the Lord arrived a few days after Lazarus had been had passed in fact four days after that uh, he had passed and as the Lord showed up there were things that grieved him that were unfolding there from uh, kind of a roundabout accusation against him Lord if you had been here this wouldn't have happened to just being grieved over you know at the the result of man's rebellion death to being grieved over the death of his friend and just just so many things that were happening and yet the Lord showed up and he greatly ministered and remember he called first of all uh, his disciples to act in faith and rolling away the stone that Lazarus was uh, uh, you know at behind and remember the first thing they said is Lord if we roll it away it's, it's going to stink and they kind of came up with an excuse and the Lord said listen I told you if you believed in me you'd see the glory of God and it just puts an emphasis there that our faith is seen more in our actions than, than just our professions. And they acted in faith and they rolled away that stone and the Lord called Lazarus forth. And we saw really a picture of our salvation and that we were dead on our sins and the Lord called us. And when we responded to that call, we came into that place of life through the hand of God Almighty. And then from there, we saw many Jews believing in Christ as a result of him seeing this phenomenal miracle done specifically in the name of the father and we'll touch more on that this morning and sadly we saw others rebelling even all the more and taking what had happened and reporting it to the pharisees and them saying okay now we really know we need to get rid of them now we really know that we need to kill them and remember caiaphas the high priest prophesied and his prophecy was legit that one person would die for the nation uh, so it could be preserved and yet they took it as the Lord would die so that they could be preserved as they were and really what it was the Lord would die so that Israel could come to a place of salvation which eventually listen in these last days all Israel will be saved and the prophecy also talked about all being gathered to him and through the cross of Christ indeed whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved now this morning here we come to John chapter 12 and remember after these things were reported to to uh, the Pharisees the Lord left again and went out to a uh, to a little city called Ephraim and then from there in the other gospels we know eventually he makes his way back up to Jerusalem he goes through Jericho that's where blind Bartimaeus is healed and he, he's going with the groups going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover but before he goes into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, six days before, he goes to the house of Simon the leper. We'll talk a little bit about him. And that's where they put on this supper for the Lord that Mary's at and Martha's at, that Lazarus is at, and Simon the leper is at. And we'll see this morning Mary taking a, 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 uh, a jar of very costly oil and breaking it upon the Lord's feet and anointing his feet with her hair from the other gospels we see that his whole body was anointed by this uh this fragrance by this perfume and then in the midst of this we see judas not only criticizing mary but jesus as as well and what we're going to see in this is really a, a forerunner of what's called today the social gospel the you could call it the gospel of love that is not loving at all in the criticism and yet mary really was on track with the real gospel and we'll talk about all that and, and jesus rebuking judas in the midst of it and then from there we'll see you know and, and we won't spend a lot of time on it but fulfill prophecy as the lord comes into jerusalem on palm sunday lowly and riding on a donkey and then as these greek converts come seeking jesus the Lord declaring that my hour has come because now the Gentiles are fully beginning to awake that Christ is Messiah, which was another fulfilled prophecy and the Lord talking about his death and resurrection. So a lot for us to look at this morning. What we're going to do is, uh, is uh, we're going to start by reading the first eight verses and then we'll go from there. And our goal is to get down to verse 26. I think we'll be able to make it. So let's read the first eight verses uh, with, after you know, laying some groundwork and then we'll, we'll jump right into this. So it says, then six days before the Passover, 
Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the, Lord, the feet of Jesus, and wiped, uh, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, he said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was in it, uh, what was put in it. And Jesus said, "Let her alone. She has kept. She has kept this for my, for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always." So again, we see the Lord coming back to Bethany. He goes there to the house of Simon the leper. We know this from uh, Mark and Matthew's gospel because they also give an account of what unfolded there uh, at this supper. In fact, in Matthew 26, verse 6, it says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper... And it's interesting, in Mark and Matthew's gospel, they present it kind of as a flashback. They're talking a few days before Passover. They're at that point where Jesus is about to be arrested by the Jews. And they say, by the way, at an earlier time, a few days later or earlier, when Jesus came in, these things unfolded. They also go into a little more detail how after this happened, after the Lord then corrected Judas, he ran off to make a deal with the Pharisees to sell the Lord out to there, from there to look for a convenient time to betray him. And we'll talk a little bit about that this morning as we go through this. So again, he comes back to Bethany, that place where Lazarus was dead and had been resurrected. And all that comes into play in all the things that unfold here. Now he comes to, again, the house of Simon the leper. We know that from Matthew and Mark's gospel. And so we know Mary's there, Martha's there, Lazarus there, Simon the leper's there, along with other uh, disciples of the Lord and his 12 that, you know what, went out from place to place with him. And we see them making a group effort this is awesome to minister to the lord because notice here it says they made a supper it doesn't say for all of them though all of them partook in the supper but in verse 2 it says they made him a supper and really what this was was a group effort to minister to the lord god almighty and listen, we're a group here this morning, are we not? You know, look around. We see uh, a, a group of folks here. And listen, just as they made their effort to minister to the Lord first and foremost, this was about a supper for the Lord. We need to know and we need to recognize that we absolutely have the same call upon our lives. That when we gather together, first and foremost, our effort should be to minister to the Lord to put him first above all else, to get our eyes upon him, to glorify him, to magnify him, to honor him, to praise him. We need to recognize that that's really our high call as individuals, to be a people seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And listen, that doesn't start with God, what can you do for me? That starts with you are Lord and I am called to praise you, to glorify you, to honor you, to lift you up, to magnify you. Listen, he knows everything that you need before you even ask. You starting and giving him praise and glory and worship is the supreme call upon your life. And we see them again walking in that and them saying, listen, let's have a supper and let's make it for the Lord and let's absolutely come and serve him first and foremost. It's interesting in the Old Testament, the Lord set, of, set aside the tribe of Levi to be the priest, to do the priestly duties of making intercession for the people and teaching the people about the Lord. And the Levites' first call as well upon their tribe and upon their priesthood was to minister to the Lord himself. In Deuteronomy 10 verse 8 it says at that time the lord separated the tribe of levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the lord to stand before the lord notice to minister to him and bless his name to this day 
So the tribe of Levi set aside first and foremost to minister to the Lord, to bless the Lord, to glorify the name of the Lord. And you may be saying, well, that's Old Testament stuff, those Levites, you know what, I'm, an, uh, I'm a new covenant believer. Well, hopefully you guys know this, and if you don't, there's good news for you this morning. Guess what? In Revelation 1.6, it says, he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. Notice, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so in like manner, listen, we have a call to the priesthood in the sense that we are called to minister the things of God to this fallen world. And above that, we are called to glorify him. Again, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Or so be it. Or that's the final authority. That first and foremost, it should be about him. Now, let me ask you, as you came here this morning, as you got up this morning and got ready and you had your coffee or your energy drink or your soda or whatever you drink today, your water, as you got up and you, you got in the car and you headed here, you walked here, let me ask you, first and foremost, was it on your heart to say, Lord, I can't wait to come and gather with believers so that we can worship God, that we can glorify God, that God would be pleased with the aroma, with the sacrifice of our praise. I think the enemy works hard to, again, get our focus to be, you know, about us this morning. What do I need today? Now, again, God wants to minister to what you need. And praise God, we can cast all our cares on him, knowing he cares for us. And it's not necessarily wrong saying, boy, I I need to be encouraged and I need to be strengthened and so forth, more equipped. That's part of our coming together as well. But listen, it's secondary to saying, despite all the problems going on in my life, even though it seems there's no fruit on the vine, I want to gather with like-minded believers and give praise to my God in a world where it doesn't seem many people are doing that. I pray that we can grow in that. I pray that we can abound in that. So we see again a group effort going on to make the supper for the Lord, to glorify him. And then notice what it says next there in verse two, and Martha served. And we talked about this. Every time you see Martha, she's serving the Lord. And listen, we have a call to do the exact same thing, to serve the Lord, to serve one another. When we gather together here, first and foremost, it should be to praise God. And then secondly, it should be to serve one another. It shouldn't be a me first thing. It shouldn't be what's here for me. First and foremost, it should be I want to praise God. And then secondly, it should be an acknowledgement that God has given all of us gifts and talents and so forth. And now how can I take those to minister to others? Serving the Lord with my worship, serving the Lord and using those gifts and serving others through using those gifts. Galatians 5.13, it says, for you, brother, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. And Martha absolutely is serving. You know what's awesome about this? It's not like earlier in the gospel of Luke when Martha's serving And in the midst of serving, she's also complaining to the Lord about Mary and the fact that Mary wasn't serving, though Mary was serving in that she was first and foremost sitting at his feet. And also there in Luke, it says that the Lord rebuked her and the Lord corrected her. And what's beautiful about this is Mary is serving and we don't hear any complaint or Martha's serving and we don't hear any complaints from Martha. We also don't see the Lord rebuking Martha. And what we see here is Martha growing in the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. We see her maturing in her service unto the Lord. And I want to encourage you in your service unto the Lord to be striving to mature. Because I think oftentimes what happens when one begins to use their gifts to serve the Lord, they find that there's challenges They find that not always everyone, not everyone, everyone is not always receptive of of their service. Others complain about it. Others trample it. At times there is, um, you know, uh, uh, other trials and issues that come up and so forth. And it's easy in that service that starts unto the Lord and to serve others for it then to kind of get twisted and it start becoming about me and we move to that place where Martha was before complaining, I'm the only one serving over here, Lord. And then the Lord even wanting to correct us and unfortunately sometimes we can harden our heart where we can't even hear that correction and then that service that once started off good starts to become tainted. 
listen, make sure you are growing and you are maturing in your service. It should be less and less about you and more and more about him and others. It should be more about saying, uh, listen, whether this is appreciated by men or not, I know that the Lord sees these things that I'm doing for his glory and his honor and his praise. And I just think it's awesome that we see Martha growing in maturity when it comes to serving God and others. Notice next, it says that Lazarus uh, was one of those who sat at the table with him. We also, again, know from Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel, and this is found in Mark 14 and in Matthew 26, if you want to read that later. We also know Simon the leper was at the table, and it wasn't Simon sitting there with leprosy, but it was Simon who once had leprosy, whom the Lord healed, sitting at the table. And many commentators have pointed out over the years, this was Jesus sitting at the table with two of his trophies, so to speak. And that God had done these wonderful miracles in these men's lives. And raising Lazarus from the dead after four days behind that tomb. And Simon, a man who was unclean, who in a way was the walking dead, having to go out and live with lepers and cry out, unclean, unclean, everywhere he went. And him coming to the Lord by faith and the Lord touching him and healing him and cleansing him and making his, his, his skin baby soft. These were kind of trophies of the Lord. Not, not anything that they did, but what the Lord had done for them. And listen, this morning, you need to know and you need to understand. Let's, let me ask you right now, is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Do you know this morning that you are his trophy as well? You absolutely are. And listen, it's not just a little ribbon that says participant, but it is a mighty trophy unto his glory because of what he has done for you in that he has saved you, that he has redeemed you. And absolutely, the Bible declares that, you know, we are going to be his trophies forever and ever and ever. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Notice here, this is like Lazarus. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the evidence or the, the exceedingly riches of grace and, and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that forever and ever and ever, we are, uh, you know, at types of trophies, so to speak, in his trophy case, that when we, when, when we look at one another, we'll say, wow, look at the great grace of mercy of God, that we are here. It will be about him and to his praise and his glory and his honor. And isn't that all the more reason why going back up kind of to our first point in this verse, that should it be about glorifying and ministering to him first and foremost because of what he's done for us? Now, again, we see Lazarus, we see Simon sitting there at the table, and we've talked about this, how, you know, and it kind of goes to what Mary's going to do next, worshiping at his feet, that God has called us to sit with him. God has called us to dine with him. We've looked at it the last few weeks, Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And praise God, we have a call to commune with them day after day after day. And I was just thinking about this. You know, we talk about this, but you know what? Asking the question practically, what does that look like? And you know what? I know, you know, I, I, we want to stand in the word. And I think we also can, you know, there's a place of talking about the application of the word in our lives. I know for myself, when I read this about dining with the Lord, uh, you know, I might, I, I just wrote in my, in my notes, how does this look for me? How does this look in my life when I dine with the Lord? Well, listen, I know this. It always starts with, with prayer. And I try to make it an aim in my life. And, and again, this isn't about anything to glorify me, but maybe help to share with you practically how I have found joy in dining with the Lord and what that looks like practically. For me, it always starts with prayer. And I always try, try to make the aim of my prayer to start with praise and thanksgiving to God. 
no matter what's going on, I, I try to make a mind, because there's about 200, 200 prayers in the Bible, and almost every single one of them starts with praise and thanksgiving and acknowledgement of some sort to God. Kind of like the idea, we come to minister to you. And then bringing cares before him and interceding for others and so forth and trying not to fall into a place of just, you know, a, a re- repetitive pattern but really thinking about what's being prayed for and praying for them and meaning and really bringing those things before the Lord. Listen, this also involves getting into God's word. It's a glorious thing when you say, I'm gonna set time aside, not just to rush through, but I'm gonna set time aside to really dine with the Lord. I mean, what meal is better? If, if a fine meal's made for you, is it better just to gobble it down and get out? No, you wanna sit there and, and you want to enjoy it Hopefully you got some nice scenery, a nice atmosphere. There's a lot of restaurants they do good more so because of the atmosphere and the feel of the place than the food. But isn't it glorious when the food and the atmosphere is good? And it's wonderful when you say, listen, I'm going to take this time. I'm going to set it aside to pray to the Lord. And then I'm going to set aside not just to rush to the word, but to be able to really contemplate the word and think on the word and really read it and enjoy it and say, Lord, minister to my heart. I try, to, I try to do that in my life. And then, you know, from there and throughout that, having a real heart of worship. Maybe somewhere in the course of that, you know, worship breaks forth of, Lord, I thank you for this verse. I want to praise you. And, 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 and song coming to your heart that you lift up to him. And, and then from there, you know, you get up to, to go out to your day. And hopefully it's a matter of, of then thinking on his word and thinking on him throughout the day. Not a thing of, oh, Lord, that was a wonderful meal. You know, we'll see you tomorrow at this time. Uh, you know, same Jesus time, same Jesus channel. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord. No, now I want to get out and walk with the Lord. And I want to think on God's word. I want to think on those things that I read. I want to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I want to see life unfolding before me through the eyes of scripture and so forth. And then throughout the day, casting my cares on him as things come up. Being in a, in a place where I'm praying to him about practical situations and spiritual situations as well. Crying out to him. Listen, there's times we fall short, keeping short accounts. We're saying, Lord, I started off so well in the day. How did I get here? Well, Lord, let me bring that to you. Let me bring this anger to you or whatever it is that, that's ensnared me. So that, again, it's a continual dining throughout the day. Next we see in verse 3, you know, Mary now worshiping at his feet verse 3 it says then mary took a pound of very costly oil spikenard anointed the feet of jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil notice here well we'll come back to this in a second first of all we see here that this is a sacrifice brought by mary and before we get in the monetary value of this it starts with just a sacrifice of praise in the sense that Mary didn't care what anyone at that supper thought. I mean, think about this again. This is a big deal. Jesus is coming back. He's raised Lazarus from the dead. As this unfolds, we see all these people are uh, coming into Jerusalem, many in Bethany as well, to see Jesus, knowing about what he has done. And, and, and Mary's here. And, you know, some people will say, oh, Mary's here. That's the crazy lady, right? Because in the midst of all this, she doesn't even care. She goes and she breaks this uh you know what this this pound of costly oil uh at at his feet we see that she anoints uh his feet with her hair and the other gospels talk about her anointing his head and his whole body and this and this was a sacrifice of praise and that she said i don't care what anyone thinks i'm just going to praise god i want to glorify god i i I want to magnify my lord And we got to understand that we are called as well to want to glorify him, to bring sacrifice of praise. And on one side of this, it was the sacrifice of maybe how people viewed her, her reputation. And it's not to say that we should deliberately try to get weird for Jesus, but it's a thing that, listen, we shouldn't care if we are looked at differently because we actually do praise Jesus, because we glorify his name. Because listen, God's pleased with that kind of worship. He's pleased. This, this fragrance that filled the room, no doubt, was a fragrance uh, that was sweet to the nostrils of the Lord. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Therefore by him let us continually offer 
the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The aroma that comes from that is beautiful. And, and listen, the aroma of giving thanks and praise to him, practically walking that, oftentimes is that, that is what, what is needed to be a, even a, a, an agent that would, uh, uh, you know, disinfect those foul smells that so easily, you know, permeate uh, our lives or even a fellowship or whatever the case would be. This also, though, is a very costly sacrifice. In fact, uh, we'll see Judas here in a second criticizing Mary and Jesus saying, hey, couldn't this have been sold for 300 denarii? A denarii was a, 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 a man's wage. A, a denarii was considered what a man would make for a day. And so if you're, you're wondering what, how much value did this have, let's just say, you know, a, 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 you know we'll just take the, the cost of $15 an hour, uh, maybe an average wage times eight hours a day times 300 days. She just took a, 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 a pot of of spikenard oil, which was from the Himalayas, that was worth $36,000. If you do that math, she cracked the thing open, anointed the Lord's body, anointed his feet with her hair. But you talk about a sacrifice, a monetary value. And hear this this morning, a sacrifice that isn't costly is not a sacrifice. That's a convenience is what that is. She brings a sacrifice of praise. It cost her in a way, you know what, maybe her reputation and that some people wouldn't understand what she was doing. In fact, she gets attacked not only by Judas, by others. We'll see her in a minute. But it was also, again, a monetary sacrifice. Many think that this perhaps could have been her dowry, that which would be given to the family of the man that she married because absolutely uh in fact it was part of the law dowries given and so forth and it's just a picture of saying lord you are first and foremost in my life and listen if mary went on to have a husband boy that was a blessed man because this was a woman that put jesus first and there's nothing more valuable than that you see it throughout god's word though men of god who would refuse to bring a sacrifice they didn't cost them something Remember in Jerusalem, in the, the, at the end of, of David's reign, a plague broke out because of David's sin in part. And the Lord showed him that they needed to bring a sacrifice up on Mount Moriah. And they go up to the house of that man and he says, listen, just take it. You're the king, just take this. And he says, no, I refuse to bring a sacrifice for God for something that doesn't cost me anything. So he paid the man the full value of that piece of property. And we think about our Lord himself, the sacrifice of his life for us. He laid down his life for us. And so she brings a sacrifice that, again, is a real sacrifice and that it costs her something. But you know what's awesome about that? You can never outgive God. Some people say, well, I don't want to give a sacrifice that might cost me something because then I'll lose out. You can never outgive the Lord. Not that we should give to get more. It should be out of a heart of adoration. But we can also have the confidence to listen, I'm in God's economy. He's going to take care of me. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Can we say amen to that? Notice as well, real quick, and then we're going to put it into high gear. She's also at his feet. And this is really a picture of her putting herself in a low place and Jesus in a high place as he is. And it's so important when we worship. And, and this is why I believe prayer, it's so important we start with praise because it sets things back in order. When we worship him, it puts things in the right place and that I am low, but he is big. It, it doesn't mean that God doesn't care for me. Listen, the fact that I can enter in, the fact he laid down his life for me, do I need to question my value to him or how much he loves me? We should never do that. But listen, he's huge and I'm small and I want to get that truth before me by magnifying him, getting at his feet. And when that happens, you know what happens? Those burdens and those worries and those giants are so big that you start seeing them as they are teeny tiny in comparison to our God. And that's when giants begin to get slain, those things that want to come against us and hinder us when the Lord is lifted up and magnified in our lives. Boy, that's a faith builder. 
When you say, listen, let me remember all this stuff's going on, but I need to remember that my God is big, so let me do that by getting before him at his feet and recognizing who am I? You know, what am I? But who are you? You're awesome and you're mighty and you're powerful and your promises are yes and amen. Verse four, it says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Listen, this not, might not be a theologically uh, correct or sound, but I just put on my notes, G- Judas is a punk. <laughs> this guy is a willful tool of Satan in the midst of Jesus's inner circle. And, the, and it's not that we shouldn't care about him or love him. Jesus at the end even called him friend and longed for him to repent. But listen, this was a man that was a wolf in sheep's clothing that deliberately made it a point to say, I want to be the treasurer, had his hands on the money box, and he would pilfer what was put in that money box. He was also one, as we'll see here, who was a proponent of a false gospel and a false doctrine. And the Bible, you know what, we read that Satan loves to plant these types in the Lord's church. Judas was planted in the Lord himself's ministry. Individuals and groups who sometimes wait for the right time to bring a revolt. That's what a heretic does. They'll come along. Everything looks like they're part of the work. But in the back of their mind, they have an agenda. And they wait for a volatile time to introduce that to try to splinter or break up or hurt that fellowship of believers. There's also those, though, that rise up. And they, they, they basically are allowed to plant terrors because the leadership is asleep. When it comes to sound doctrines, so they'll begin to plant false doctrines and so forth. And, and we're warned about this in Scripture. In Acts 20, 28, Paul had been in Ephesus for a few years, teaching them the whole counsel of God. And this is what he said to him when he left in verse 28. He says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, notice here, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourself, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Notice 31, therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so these things need to be watched for. Doctrines need to be tested. When things are found that are out of line, there needs to be a call to repentance And if individuals still want to peddle false gospels or gross heresies at that point, if they don't want to repent, that's when you purge the leaven and you say, well, listen, you got to take that somewhere else. We got to protect the sheep of this pasture. Now, it's interesting, again, with Judas, he would sell out the Lord right after this supper. In Mark 14, 10, it says, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. How sad it is that some people can make sin so casual. Let me find a convenient time to betray the Lord. It just has a very casual feel about it, which just really shows how given over to the enemy he was, how driven by the love of money he was. And indeed, that is what drove him. As it says here, he was a thief and he kept the money box. Think about this. Absolutely, the Lord's ministry had a place where you could contribute to it. At one point, it says that the women were the primary givers to the ministry of the Lord. And then they're giving, you know, joyfully unto the Lord. And then this guy somehow ends up being the treasurer of the ministry. And he's embezzling from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. People step back and say, oh man, I would not be, want to be him. I think that would put a fear in anybody. And yet how many times do we ourselves get tempted to, you know, be driven by the love of money versus having godly contentment in what God has put into my hands wanted to use that for his glory 
and absolutely saying, Lord, you know what I need before I ask. Let me be in your hands. We get warnings of this in scripture. I don't have time to read it, but 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10 speaks of this. In fact, verse 10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And I think when Paul wrote that, perhaps he was thinking about Judas because he would be pierced through in hanging himself even after all of these things. Uh, very, very sad. A thief right in there in the midst of the Lord's ministry. Now, I also believe that Judas, if he was alive today and in Christianum, unfortunately, I believe that Judas, if Judas wrote books, he would be a best-selling author in Christianum today. Because notice verse five, why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? We need to contrast Mary with Judas right here. Mary did that for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mary got it when so many others were not getting it. Mary knew that the Lord was gonna die. He was gonna be buried and that he would be resurrected to conquer sin, death, and Satan and hell that whoever calls on his name will be saved. And she recognized and she understood. She knew it firsthand because stinky Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. And I got a feeling when the rock was first you know, roll back before the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. Listen, that which stanketh came forth into their nostrils out of that tomb. And she recognized the Lord's gonna lay down his life and she was probably thinking, well, my Lord's not gonna smell like my, my little brother smells. And she, she says, I'm, I'm gonna take that $36,000 dowry and I'm gonna lay it all out there and I want to anoint my Lord's body. So that when he resurrects and when that, tomb, when that stone is rolled away, when the gospel is fulfilled, again, the, the, the smell would be a, a fragrant aroma. Because listen, you get doused with $36,000 of perfume, you're still gonna, it's still going to smell on you a week later. Guarantee it. And she got it. And she had insight. And she was about the gospel first because she recognized what the Lord said was true. We're always going to have the poor with us. This is a fallen world. And you know what the poor need even more than they need a next meal? It's the same thing that the rich need before they even need another dollar. They need a savior. They need to have a way of salvation. She got it. Listen, Judas didn't get it. Judas was all about what today is called the social gospel. He was about it with a very selfish motive. Listen, the social gospel, once you know what it is, you'll see it all over the place. And the social gospel, sin isn't transgression against God. Sin is some injustice taking place in the world. Jesus is not our savior. Jesus instead is our example of how we can, you know what, live better. And the gospel, again, isn't Christ died for my sins and rose from the grave and I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and him alone. The gospel or the good news is when an injustice is corrected by the hand of man. And he's crying out here, injustice, injustice. That could have been sold and given to the poor. This also gives birth to what some call the gospel of love. Now listen, the gospel is love and that God loved us when we were in rebellion. He died on the cross for us. He rose from the grave and we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and him alone. But this social gospel says, if you walk in love, not according to how the Bible defines love, but according to how fallen man defines love, then God is in you and you are in God. And sadly, this stuff is running amok even in Christianity today. There are whole denominations that are moving heavily in this direction. It's very, very, very sad. Because listen, all of it at the end of the day is a works-based false gospel. To say, if I love others, now I am in God and God is in me, that means I'm my own redeemer. All I gotta do is go love someone and I'm right with them. Listen, the truth of the matter is that I hated God before I came to him. I was in sin, I was in rebellion, and so were you. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. It's because of His love that we're saved. It's because of what He did for us on the cross. We are saved by grace in Him and Him alone, not of our works, lest we should boast. 
And when we start running around saying it's about me, what did I do? I corrected an injustice. Not that we shouldn't at time correct injustices, but they need to be done again in a biblical context with the main aim to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when we make it about us and when we say, well, how could a loving God send people to hell? A loving God sent his son to the cross of Calvary. He died and he rose to save people from hell. You have something that's called, are you ready for it? A free will. What are you going to do with it? You're going to trust in him or yourself. And that's what this guy was promoting. Notice in it, listen, he's not only attacking Mary, but he's also attacking Jesus Christ because he's allowing Mary to do this. Listen, in all of it, again, notice what he says here. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Listen, hear this. This was her oil. It wasn't his. She had a right to do with it whatever she wanted. What was that to him? This is what it was to him. Ultimately, he wanted to steal from her. He really wanted to line his own pockets to look righteous to those around him. But ultimately, what he was doing was using the poor. He did not care about the poor. The scriptures say it. He was using the poor to promote himself and his agenda on their backs. And this abounds today socially, politically, and sadly in most of religion today. And it is satanic, it is wicked, and it is evil. Jesus, on the other hand, listen, the Lord Jesus, on the other hand, took stripes on his back to save the rich and poor alike that whoever calls on his name will be saved. And this isn't saying that we shouldn't care about the poor. We should. We should tend to urgent needs, but there is a need that's more urgent than someone needing a blanket. We should tend to that when we can. Listen, let's give that blanket, but let's also give the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not going to get through all this. We'll probably only get to verse 8 here. We also see in Matthew and Mark, and this is huge, Others joining in with Judas. He's not a lone, you know what, a wolf here. In fact, in Matthew 26, 8, it says, but when his disciples saw, they were indignant saying, why the waste? This fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And then in Mark's gospel, 14, 4, it says, but there were some who were indignant amongst themselves. Why was this fragrant oil wasted? wasted it, it, listen th- this was this fragrant oil had the greatest purpose out of any fragrant oil in the history of the whole stinking world from adam to the second coming of jesus christ and they're over here being all indignant and all huffy and puffy why was this not sold and given to the poor they said why don't you sell your own your own oil and give it to the poor if you're that concerned about it have you, ever, have you ever noticed the people that promote this kind of stuff never actually walk in it themselves? Oh, let's save the environment. You know, no more cars. Meanwhile, they're, they're in their private jets flying around the world. It's total hypocrisy. Oh, you know, let's take from these people who've worked hard and give it to these who haven't worked at all. Meanwhile, they're sitting in their million-dollar mansions not giving a dime to anybody at any time. Why? Because they're like Judas. They have an agenda. They are using these people's back to promote their own power, their own name, so on and so forth. And it's satanic. It's wicked. It's demonic. It's not of God at all. Sadly, listen, in the pressure here, others join in with Judas. He's mentioned by name. Others obviously then join in hear this this morning there's a lot of pressure to join into this nonsense to join into this false social justice gospel versus standing in the true gospel of jesus christ and you know what really changes those situations it is the gospel of jesus christ people get redeemed when they come to christ people get changed when they come to christ situations change when you come to the lord jesus christ when there's a real spirit of the living god working in the situation don't give in to that pressure amen don't bend to it don't bow to it don't succumb to it because these people work really hard to you know what be indignant to try to shame you for not going along with their nonsense. And sadly, I look around and I see a whole lot of Christians folding into it. 
denominations folding into it. Some of the stuff going on in the Southern Baptist Convention is horrific. Once a very, very sound movement, which I know still has many sound brothers and and churches in it, but still, listen, so much of their convention now is about this social justice nonsense. And again, it's not that there aren't injustices, there are. It's not that we should not be aware of it, we should. But let's go again, minister to that in a biblical manner. And it's interesting, again, how most of these injustice people, they ignore the biggest injustices like life in the womb. I heard a thing yesterday, Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker in their, you know, one of their uh, speeches or whatever, and they're quoting scripture. And she's quoting, you know, Matthew 25, completely taking it out of context, that if you feed one of these, you know what, uh, I remembered you, enter my kingdom. That's all about Jews being ministered to in the tribulation, just so you know, know the context, standing this, you know, they're amen and all this stuff. He, he promotes the same thing. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. They all erupt. What about repenting? What about murder? What about Deuteronomy 22? Man, that's a frightening, frightening thing to rip people off in the name of God. That is frightening. Verse 7. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always but me you do not have always. Jesus puts dude in check. The Lord does not sit over here like a coward on his hands thinking, oh boy, this is an awkward situation. I don't want to offend anybody, so you know, I better not say anything. The Lord rebukes him in the front of everybody. Leave her alone. You better step off is what he's saying here. And listen, side note, A man who doesn't stand up for a woman getting bullied by a punk, in my opinion, isn't a man at all. And there's a lot of this is coming into the church, this idea of if someone is being violated physically, you go fetal position over here in the corner. I'm naming some names today. Guys like John Piper teach this. That's not Christianity. This isn't a thing to be aggressive and to go crack people's heads in the name of Jesus. Not at all. But if there's someone that, again, is being bullied or abused, and you sit over here and say, well, I'm a pacifist for Christ, again, it's not saying that you got to go, you know what, hit them over the head with a baseball bat, but how about just stepping in and saying, hey, stop. Isn't that what Jesus did for us at the cross, defend us and make a way of salvation for us? And the Lord straight up rebukes them in the midst of his supper, and he didn't care what anyone thought either. And they were all thinking ill of Mary, and they were all thinking ill of the Lord. And he steps up, and he rebukes her, and then he brings forth truth. He says, this was done for my burial, which unfortunately, most of them didn't get at all. Side note here, listen. If you're going to stand up for the real gospel, the gospel of Christ, over the lie of the social gospel, in this day we are living in, you're going to get attacked as well. It's just going to come. I'm amazed at how many people name the name of the Lord, only God knows the heart, but they cannot even grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can't even grasp these biblical principles. But you know what's awesome? I've seen it firsthand in my life. Again, it's my experience. You can take it or leave it. We know biblically he's with us to the end of the age. I have seen in my life the Lord be so faithful, so faithful to go before me when I have the integrity to stand in truth only by his grace and his mercy. Um, I've dealt with some of this stuff firsthand. And again, I don't want to say that boasting of me. I say that boasting of the Lord, of how God, and, and listen, it takes a step of faith. There's challenges in it when you say, listen, this is wrong. I'm not going to roll with it. I, I've seen it before where ministries that, that were supposed to be centered around the gospel and helping people with their personal needs soon were just centered around people helping people with their personal needs and the gospel was either pushed to the side or the gospel wasn't to be allowed to preach but we want to use the name of Christ and having to say time out listen thus the gospel's in this what's the point of it and being bad-mouthed and talked about and so forth but I'll tell you through that I, 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 I saw and again it's where you step out of faith the Lord builds your faith Time and time again, the Lord defend. 
time and time the Lord, again, uh, making a way and so forth. And he'll do that for you. Don't cower at this nonsense. Also with this side note from Mark's gospel, we know that not only did she, again, bring that sacrifice before the Lord, it wasn't lost. In fact, she was given an eternal treasure in it. We see it in part in what Jesus said in Mark 14, 9. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, this woman, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And we're talking about this morning, a memorial to her. Again, an eternal reward. This isn't gonna stop once we get in glory. This is a crown. And you know what she's gonna be able to do with that crown? Put it at the Lord's feet for all of eternity. That's an awesome thing. And then finally here, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 15, 11. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy more than any other, any other Old Testament book. Deuteronomy is quoted in the New Testament more than any Old Testament book. It's quoted over 100 times. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 15, 11 that says, for the poor will never cease from the land. And men need to know this today because there's a lot of people even running around in Christianum saying if we all get together, we can come up with a peace plan to change the old world. We can solve poverty. You can't and you never will. We're always gonna have the poor. Poor monetarily, poor emotionally, poor spiritually. It's a fallen world. There's so many things men do not have solutions for. Have you figured that out? If we just get the right government, we can fix it all. You won't. I'll tell you what the right government, it is dictatorship. It's the Lord Jesus Christ ruling and reigning for a thousand years with a rod of iron. (laughs) Outside of that, you got fallen men trying to fix fallen situations. It's not to say that there aren't biblical principles that are going to yield way better results. There are, but you always get man's hand involved in it. There's always a sin element to deal with. And it's not the Lord here saying again that if you're impoverished, that's just the way it is. Listen, seek him first. Let the Lord take control of your finances by beginning to walk in biblical principles. It's amazing what he will do, how he will show himself strong. This is again, not the Lord putting down the poor, but this is the Lord making a statement. The the, the poor is gonna be here. Listen, the answer is found in me. I'm not gonna always be here. I'm gonna die on the cross though and I'm gonna resurrect and he gets into this later in the text so that any rich and poor, slave or free, male or female, Jew or Greek, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's the good news. Let's stand up and let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we bless you, we glorify you, honor you, God. We just thank you for who you are, Lord, just for what you've done for us, God. We thank you that you have made that way of salvation, that you did what you said you were going to do in laying down your life and taking it back up. And I hope and pray that all of us here have called upon the name of Christ. But if you're here and you have not, listen, today is the day of salvation. Our sin separates us from God And Jesus Christ is the bridge back to God because he lived a sinless life. He took the wrath due all of us upon himself and he resurrected from the dead and defeated death that if you call on him to be your Lord, which means you're repenting from being your own Lord, you call on him to be your Lord, he will save you and meet you right where you are. And if you're here today and you're saying, Steve, I want that, I I, I believe. I, I would love to lead you in a prayer of just acknowledgement of that faith and that desire for him to be your Lord and Savior. So if you want to call him today, pray with me. Listen, if you know him today, I want to invite you to pray with any who would call upon Christ even this morning. Let's pray together. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need you. I believe you died for me and you rose from the grave that I could have life. Wash me of my sin. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. My God. My friend. All of my days. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, just bless any that have prayed that prayer. Shine your face on them, God, in a just marvelous way. 
Lord, even any this morning, God, that are perhaps struggling in their walk with you, meet them where they are, God. Shine your face upon them. If that's you this morning, I just pray the Lord will meet you where you're at in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would revive us this morning, God, that you would be glorified. Help us to finish well giving you praise. Let's worship the Lord as we close here.
Amen? Well, I pray the Lord would just bless you and you have a wonderful day in Him. God bless you.